Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Top of the hour here on a Friday edition of the Daily Tip. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's Michael Jenkins. And we have a lot in store for you guys over the next hour. In this segment, we'll give you our favorite plays in the NFL this weekend. We call it Pick 6. Our six favorite plays against the number uh, in the NFL. Then at 720, on to the NBA. We'll give you our best picks and leans in the association if you need some action tonight we got you covered we've done the homework then at 7:40, on to the college ranks it is bowl game season and we're talking the big ones the rose bowl the sugar bowl the peach bowl and the orange bowl and why the line in the michigan alabama game has not moved at all that is sitting at one and a half is that a red flag if you want to bet on either side so jenks we'll get into those games in just a minute uh, but this weekend, it is all about the NFL. Do some of those college games feel like you almost need a refresher course since it's been so long since we yeah. have seen some of those teams playing? Because we initially studied the lines in a lot of these games, and now I'm having to restudy them because it's been <laughs> such a long time. I I am in agreement with you. I and And also, as we've talked about, some of these lines are... I mean, forget about the lines for a second. It's about the analysis that goes into these lines. And I will say, and I know we've discussed it before, the portal has changed things more than anything I've ever seen in college football as far as handicapping goes. There are just so many unknowns. And that's the thing. There are always unknowns in sports betting. You can't quantify everything. And so when it's already an issue of trying to you know, put numbers on as many things as you can to come up with some sort of formula to make sure you have the right side or a right total, whatever it is. And then you add, oh, by the way, this team doesn't have 10 players or this team doesn't have a starting quarterback or, you know, they haven't played in 21 days, whatever it is. It makes it as hard of a bowl season to handicap as I've ever seen. And I've had a little success but most of my picks, I have to say, have been on the wrong side. And sometimes it's just, it really is. I keep saying it's a roll of the dice, but it really is because there's so many unknowns. I also feel like you have to pick your spots in bowl games because, Jenks, mm-hmm. I think your bowl picks have been pretty solid, if I'm remembering correctly. But I think you've done a great job of identifying the games that have more absolutes in them. And maybe not absolute is the right word, but more things you can depend on. And I look at it kind of like we handicap these NFL games because even when there are several players missing, how many players in the NFL actually move the line? It's the quarterback and it's maybe a star receiver. Like how many players actually move the spread? I think the line is, you know, yeah. what, just quarterbacks? And maybe I remember Devontae Adams used to move it when he was in Green Bay. I would say somebody like Tyree Kill, maybe a half point. But if you're looking at these college games like NFL games, like how much do some of these opt-outs really matter? 
It depends on the team. And a perfect example is, let me give you two opposite situations where the Syracuse game was a game where I faded the orange based on the fact that their backup quarterback, I'm going to say it again because this is the craziest stat I've heard all year. He had one pass all season completed for negative six yards. Well, guess what? Syracuse got their doors blown off. Well, compare that to USC where Caleb Williams isn't playing, but USC obviously recruits at a much higher level. So then you have their backup come in. He throws six touchdown passes and sets a Holiday Bowl record. So mm-hmm. when that happens, it's you're like, well, can you rely on the backup quarterback or not? That's when you have to find out, okay, what is the resume of this backup quarterback? Because the higher teams generally, or the better teams, the more blue-blooded teams, tend to recruit higher-ranked players, better athletes. So maybe you say, hey, based on what this guy did in high school or in mop-up duty, he could step up here. But I don't know about this Syracuse guy. You know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And also, the Orange don't recruit like USC. But again, maybe that's something that you can look at and consider. But a lot of that is projecting how a player is going to do based on very little time on the field. Yeah, uh, that was a sabotage factor last night in the Arizona game. Uh, did not stay up to watch it because I think it was on pretty late. But Arizona won at 38-84. And I was kind of worried because Oklahoma had like a stud uh, blue chip prospect coming in at quarterback. Uh, but that's the thing. Like you just stick to a strategy. And even if it loses sometimes, you're still sticking to the same mm-hmm. strategy. It's almost like when a quarterback throws a ball down the field. Even if you don't hit a receiver every time, you're not going to say, well, I'm never going to do that again. You say, no, I stick to the same strategy, and eventually it will hit because in the sports betting game, the name of the game is being right, what, 58% of the time, 56% of the time. So I think that's the other thing you have to remember in sports betting. When we go through these picks, we are sticking to a strategy that even if all of our picks don't hit, it's something that we've done for the entirety of the year. So we'll see how it lands uh, in week, what is this, 17 in the NFL? Oof, we're coming to the end, and it makes me kind of sad. But let's get the picks while they're hot (laughs) and while the NFL is still going. Let's do it, pick six. Pick six. You ready for this, Chelsea? This is going to be a square play, maybe. Ravens. Minus three. Hosting the Dolphins. Doubted before he signed his monster contract, Lamar Jackson rose from the ashes to lead the Baltimore Ravens as the best team in the AFC. I'm buying on Baltimore. I'm going to buy the hook. Minus 129. Who cares? It's the holidays. Still the holidays in my mind. Chelsea's trying to make me depressed. I'm not going to let it happen. Here's the thing. This, this this feels like maybe it's a sucker bet because everyone's going to be on Baltimore. But you know what I love about Baltimore? I love their attitude. I love the fact that even though they're the favorites, they're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. To a man, if you ask these guys if they're the favorites, they're like, no, we're the underdogs. Like, well, you're actually the favorite if you look at the number. No, we're the underdogs. They're just playing angry football right now. And I still don't trust the Dolphins. Fine. They have one win. I win at home this season over a team with a winning record. The Ravens are a different animal. It looks like Jalen Waddell is out this weekend for Miami, which means that Ravens D, which is so very good, will be able to double on Tyree Kill 
And I think that will be the difference. They can shut down the Dolphins on the road. I am still on the Baltimore train. Ravens minus three in Charm City. I almost played the over in this game, but the injury report out of Miami was concerning. The fact that Jalen Waddle yeah. is not playing, the fact that Tua Tungavailoa is a little banged up, something with his hand. He is practicing and he will play, but just does not feel like this is a Dolphins team that is 100%. If you want to watch it, it's a 1 Eastern kickoff on Sunday. Pick six. Pick six. All right, so we kind of teased this pick uh, earlier in the show. I'm going to be on the Bengals, plus seven against the Chiefs. In fact, there's a seven and a half, I believe, still on the board over at BetMGM last time I checked. So obviously get the best number here, but this feels like way too high of a line for a Chiefs team that has been very underwhelming this season. Four and four against the spread, and, you know, a team that's lost outright to teams they had no business losing to. At what point do you look at the Chiefs and you say, well, eventually they're going to be better, right? Um, It's December 29th. It is week 17. Eventually you have to believe what this team is telling you. And it's telling you that it's not the team of last season. So you look at the Bengals. They're up for this game. Jamar Chase already running his mouth. And that's the thing about this matchup. The Bengals routinely have had the Chiefs number. Five and two against the spread in their last seven matchups with Kansas City, albeit that's with Joe Burrow. But still, we've seen some good things from uh, Jake Browning and his passing attack for the Bengals. They still have some great weapons around him. And especially when you're backing a team that's getting seven points. I really like playing teams with good passing attacks because they can play from behind and the back door feels wide open at the end of the game. So I'll take the Bengals plus seven against the Chiefs. Chelsea, I'm with you on this. I don't know why I get nervous about this game, but I think it's the right side too. Arrowhead Stadium, the setting for this AFC battle on Sunday at 425 in the East. Pick six. Pick six. How do I feel about this pick? Meh. But you know what? I'm going for it. Saints plus three. Minus 124. Right now it's at two and a half. I want the key number. I'm going to get it. Saints plus three in Tampa. Why? Yeah, the Bucks have won four straight. Baker Mayfield is playing good football. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Who have the Bucks beaten during this streak? Let's take a look, shall we? Hmm. Panthers. Falcons. Packers. Okay. And a Jags team with an ailing quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. This is a perfect sell-high spot on the Bucks. And let me tell you something. The Saints must have this win for any chance of making the postseason. Tampa can still make it with a loss, and I believe they play the Panthers next week. Also, I think Derek Carr is going to be able to handle those Buccaneers blitzes. I keep reading that, and I'm buying into it. Saints plus three in Tampa. Ooh, the Saints love picking the NFC South games that I will not be watching. If you want to watch it, it's a 1 Eastern kickoff on Sunday. Pick six. Pick six. Next up, let's head to the NFC North, where we have divisional battle between the Packers and the Vikings. I'm taking the point and a half here with the Packers. This line doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, I guess, because it's a primetime game and the Vikings are playing at home. The Packers are a little uh, banged up coming into this one. But I think the Vikings have the more concerning injuries. 
They're now down mm -hmm. to their fourth starting quarterback. Jaron Hall gets the start for the Vikings here. TJ Hawkinson out for the season. Jordan Addison is questionable for this one. So you're on to a four-string quarterback. You've got considerably fewer weapons, and this team is the favorite. No thank you, please. I will be taking the points and the Packers. Uh, it should be noted that Jair Alexander is suspended for this one for doing something stupid at the coin toss last game. Uh, I don't think it matters. I think the Packers have a good chance of winning this divisional battle outright. I'll trust Jordan Love and Green Bay and take the points here. It is your Sunday night football game in Minneapolis at 8.20 in the East. Pick six. Pick six. Well, got to do it. Niners minus 13 here in D.C. Imagine if you're San Francisco and you're coming off a brutal loss to the Ravens and one of the biggest games of the year in prime time. What is the salve for that wound? Maybe that wound is leprosy, like we were talking earlier. I don't know. Oh but what will make you feel better? Playing the Washington Commanders. Now, Washington has made a change of quarterback. They're going to go with Jacoby Brissett instead of Sam Howell. And I don't think it matters. Jacoby Brissett is certainly a level up. However, now you have a 49ers defense that will be able to game plan for Brissett. It's much different when you hop into a game in the second half. Now they know Brissett will be the starter from the outset and the commander's defense just can't stop anyone. They're 0-5 and one against the spread at home this season. That is the worst mark in the NFL. Niners minus 13 here in DC. I will be with you. An angry San Francisco team that needs to get mm. back on the right side going against this Washington defense that has been very, very generous to just about any offense, and especially when it comes to the passing game. So I know Brock Purdy is a, a little banged up going into this one, suffering some stingers, I believe, in his elbow. But we know he will be back out there. He is a tough guy. And San Francisco kind of needs to get back on the right side. And this is a spot where the Niners have been really good as big favorites and beating the brakes off of people. Wasn't this the stat that everybody kind of pounded the table for for San Francisco being the best team in the league? Was their win differ or their points differential? Because when they're beating their st these teams, they're beating them by a lot. So I think this is mm -hmm. a great get-right spot for San Francisco. Also think it is a big game for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, we look at his prop here. I think his rushing prop is like 86 or something. But we have seen opposing running backs do just about whatever they want to this Washington defense. And it should be a very positive game script for San Francisco. Maybe they give Brock Purdy a bit of a rest in the second half. I think Christian mm -hmm. McCaffrey absolutely rolls here. So I'll be on the Niners as well even though that one do you think this one will be a sweat like it feels like you have to be beating a team by like 30 in order to feel good about like that big of a spread Ooh, yeah i but i i just feel like at this point because the commanders can't move the ball against great defenses i don't think they'll be able to and then also they can't stop i know i think i think the niners are going to run wild here i'm not worried about it I think this is going to be a bad, this is going to be a bad, bad game for the commanders. I hope I'm wrong because I'm sort of right in the middle of it, but mm -hmm. I'm with you there, Chelsea. Well, and the commanders don't have anything to play for except for no. a higher draft pick. So there Correct. is no reason for them to win this game. All right, coming up after the break, time to switch gears to the NBA. Our favorite plays in the association coming your way. Stick with us on the Daily Tip. 
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. And we are back on this feel-good Friday, good times, riding high edition. Jenks, what's the terminology that we've been using? It's the Friday morning good time edition. Oh. (laughs) I think you nailed it. You got it right. You got it right. Yeah, we should add things every segment to where by the end of the show, it's like nine things. The feel good Friday, good times, riding high, super positive. We love our jobs. Friday edition of the Daily Tip. Bravo. I have nothing to add to that. I was going to put in maybe some sort of anti disease phrase in there, but I think you got it. It's kind of long to fit on a coffee mug, though. Isn't That's it? true. Went after wrap it around a couple times know. on an on an Odyssey coffee mug. We can get it done. No, you just do the horseshoe thing that they do in baseball. <laughs> Look at the graphic. Who are the people that have like the long names that they do like the horseshoe action? What I is feel this? like there was the a good player action? this year. You oh, Incarnacion. Like, What's his of... name? Did he play for the Reds? Who was that? Correct. Okay. And they shortened it. What and was everyone was wondering if they would use, I forget his full name. And it was a horseshoe around the back of his jersey. And everyone wondered, ooh, are they going to use the the full name or not? And then they shortened it. So we didn't get to see that, which would have been awesome. Jenks, believe do you Christian believe in, like, numeral- Strand. That's right. Yep. Ah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I remember now. A little long to fit on a cug. Well, it fits on an MLB <sighs> uniform, so we can do it. We can make it happen. Where there's a will, there's a way. Jenks, I was going to ask you. I saw this TikTok mm-hmm. the other day, and it said, what is the swaggiest uniform number? Do you think this exists? Like, you dated somebody who was into astrology. So did she have you on the path of, like, numerology? Some What's <laughs> Bill? Bill's like, I'm dated? Sorry. You're married. Did she have you on the path of numerology? No. I will... I will say this. This is something, this is an interest that I did not see during our marriage. I saw the, oh, hey, astrology is interesting. This is what my horoscope says, which I feel like is very common. I kind of feel like everyone mm-hmm. is that way. But I never saw this this very hardcore interest in numerology, astrology, that apparently is a thing now. But do you believe in lucky numbers? Because I do believe some numbers are swaggier than others. Like, I tend to think oh. seven's like a swaggy number in baseball. Oh, seven's swaggy. Like, you know, it's a, a fast guy. Like, I think of, isn't Trey Turner number seven? Like, that's who I think of. Yes, and his, he is. his slide just coming into home plate where he just pops up. Smooth, Smooth yeah. like butter. Do you think certain numbers have better connotations to them? Yeah. Like, do you ever think I mean, of, like, one, like, the fat guy one. numbers? Like, the... Yeah, like, one what, like is a swaggy five? number. You're going to wear number one. I feel like one has a lot of swag to it. But then big boy numbers, they have no swag. Like, I don't know. What's a good big boy number? 62. 68. Big seven, nine. I don't know. (laughs) Big boy numbers rarely have any swag whatsoever. It's hard. All of them are bad. They're all bad. 
I don't know, maybe you go 77 is pretty good because you get two sevens in there. But it's hard to find. I like 71. Just taking out random arbitrary numbers. 58, eh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's this is great radio. I feel, like, I feel like when you get to like the 60s and 70s, yeah, 69. Nice. nice. Uh, that's the only thing you can come up with. Nice. Nice. I don't know. It's hard to be a big boy and have a sleek number. Are people allowed to be number zero in football? Wasn't there yeah. something with Chase Young? He's number 99, though, isn't he? he Are is. people zero in football? Yeah. It used to be Ooh. a thing where you couldn't be, and then they relaxed the rule, and now you can be. Who's number At zero? At least in college. Maybe not in the pros, but in college. Oh, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, you can in the pros. Calvin Ridley, zero. He's you see zero? it in college game all the time. Yeah. I'm glad they brought it back. Back in the day, and I'm almost positive this is true, you could wear double zero in the NFL. Tony Delt. Now, That's who I maybe, remember uh, in basketball. Oh, from the NBA? Yeah. But back in, in, in the day in the NFL, you could wear, yeah, before they got super stringent with the rules, you could wear double zero. That would be something. I would not want to wear double zero. Why would zero. you that choose zero, zero swag? I don't know. Maybe because it looks good. I guess it's like a big round. It doesn't I, look I think good. It, I don't think it does either. I'm trying to get into the mind of someone who would wear zero. Like, I don't want to be a zero. I don't want to wear a zero. I don't think it looks good. But, oh, that's a good they reference double D. Robert Parrish, Celtics great. Another good one who wore double zero. That's good. Well, I knew in basketball they did it. I just, I couldn't mm -hmm. think of anybody in football. Um, but I think if I chose, I would be number 11 because it feels to me like the ones would be slimming. Like, you know, like the <laughs> pinstripe effect. Like, yeah. wow, she looks so slim. I would only wear black and I would wear like white 11s and it would make me look very slim. Because have you ever had the thought when they wear like the black pants, you're like, wow, their legs look tiny. It does have a slimming well, effect. What would you do if you were playing in the in-season tournament in the NBA? And they're like, hey, you have to wear this neon pink uniform. And you're like, I only wear black. You're going to sit out? As long as I would get black 11s, because then the the slimming <laughs> effect would still be in proportion. And also, I would throw a tantrum like LeBron James. Didn't the Lakers uh, get mad because they couldn't wear their uniforms that they wanted to? Yes. Like, we wanted to wear these uniforms. Mm, we wanted to wear black, and you're saying they clash. We think they match. Maybe your color palette is off. Yeah, it was so stupid. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Thanks for pulling that yeah. audio, guys. That, yes, that, that was, was from Darvin Ham. That was from Darvin Ham. <laughs> oh, or LeBron. Yeah, take it. <laughs> take it back. Oh, man. Well, I think if anybody would understand my diva ways, it would be the NBA. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. they love to complain about things like this. Let's do our best to pick some plays in the NBA. Speaking of divas, uh, we've got a good one on deck tonight in the association between the Thunder and the Nuggets. A three and a half point spread. Denver home favorites here. Total 231 and a half. Jenks, Oklahoma City has been one of the best stories of uh, the NBA so far this season. Mm -hmm. Are you taking the points with Oklahoma City here? I sure am. That's exactly mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. I think it's the right side. Nuggets played last night, so and even though they blew out the Grizz, I think playing on back-to-back -back nights against a very good Thunder team is probably just not going to work out well as far as the spread is concerned here. Yeah, I like the I like the Nuggets 
generally, but not here. Because if you look at Oklahoma City, they've been one of the best covering teams in the NBA. In fact, on the road against the number, they're 8-3-1. That is the best in the league. And when playing on back-to-back nights, again, that's the spot the Nuggets are in tonight, they're 3-4 and four against the number. So I also think there's a, when we talk about things you can or cannot quantify, this is really a battle what we could see potentially if you're looking long-term in the Western Conference playoff race to the best team. So I expect it to be highly competitive. I'll take the Thunder in the three and a half. The market's been way too low on Oklahoma City. You have referenced mm-hmm. their against the spread record, but also the fact that they have a winning record as an underdog. Not only are they covering, they're winning a lot of these games outright. So I think that is a signal that you take Oklahoma City, a team that is going to be a problem in the Western Conference for quite some time with all of that young talent. Elsewhere in the league, we've got the Grizzlies and the Clippers squaring off. Clippers home favorites, minus seven and a half. Total 225 and a half. I'm wondering if John Morant's going to play in this game because yesterday he was a late scratch with an illness. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody really wanted to see this Memphis team with their fearless electric leader. But I'm not sure if we know this yet. This is the problem when you do these shows uh, so early Mm -hmm. in the morning. We probably won't know. Do we think he plays? Or do you think this is a game where John Morant is such a big piece that you don't really want to give a play until you know. I honestly, and I wrote this yesterday, and I'm glad I did. I put down on my notes, I am passing on this game. I am not going to bet on this game. <laughs> but it's 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 for the reasons that you mentioned, and a couple things here. When you look at the Grizzlies, and clearly they've been good, with the exception of last night, which that was coming, right? They were going to have some sort of regression. But... Now, everything you knew about the Grizzlies and their ability to cover the number and how they play as a team, you have to throw that out the window because they're, it's not just you get maybe some player back and it eh, doesn't really move the needle. When you get Ja Morant back in the lineup, my God, that changes everything. So you don't have a huge sample size from which to choose. And then conversely, I still don't know what to think about the Clippers. Remember, they started off, what, 0-5 once they got James Harden. Then they went on that incredible winning streak and they got blown out a couple nights ago. So you've got two teams where I just need to see a little more consistency from both and have a bigger sample size again when it comes to the Grizzlies. So for me, I I would really stay away from this game. Yeah, I don't think that it's worth playing until you know if John Morant is playing. He Mm. is that big of a part of this Grizzlies team. Let's go to the Magic and the Knicks. And the Magic have kind of confounded me because earlier in the season, they're one of the better teams to bet on. But it feels like every time I take the Magic, uh, they don't cover for me. Uh, So let's Mm -hmm. look at the spread in this game between the Knicks and the Magic where we have a short spread here. Orlando, point and a half home favorites here and a total of 226 and a half. It has dropped two points. And I think this is kind of predictable because both of these teams Mm -hmm. we know are good defensively. They are not a team that's going to light up the the stat sheet when it comes to the offense. But, Jenks, where do you land on this game? Because, like I said, the Magic have kind of confounded me. It feels like they're good against, like, some bad teams. But some of their wins on their resume, like, you see the Pacers. They won that game. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton played in that game. And then that game against Cleveland. I believe they won that one because Cleveland didn't have any of their guys playing in that game. So, other than that... They have lost uh, five of their last seven games. Is this an Orlando team that you feel like you can trust? 
I don't know if I can trust them, but I do like them here because there is obviously a difference between losing a game and also whether or not you're covering because there are some teams they might lose on a regular basis. Like the Nets are a good example. They're not a great team, but they're very good at covering the number. So you have to sort of separate those two things. I think the Knicks are going to be tired. They're on the road right now. This is their third road game in four nights. And Orlando, despite maybe not playing its best basketball right now, they are really good at home. 10-4 and against the spread this year. I also, maybe a better play is the under because the Magic are an elite defensive squad and the Knicks are one of the better defensive squads, maybe mid-range, maybe slightly at the end of that upper tier in the NBA. So if you like under 227 and a hook, I like that. I would lean Magic as well. I think I do like the under the best because I think yeah. the knock on the magic for me and from watching them, you kind of notice this. They can't really hang with those teams that score a lot of points because I think yep. they are last in the NBA, I believe, and three pointers made. Uh, they are not a team that lights it up uh, from beyond the arc. Yes, they are tied with the Pistons for fewest three pointers made per game but when you go against the Knicks this is not a team that like I said lights up the scoreboard so I do feel like if there were a play in this one maybe it is the under and then we have a couple other games it's a relatively big slate tonight I believe Bucks Cavs uh 76ers and Rockets Jenks is there anything else that you think better should know about <sighs> yeah I'll tell you what they should know this is what I think is going to happen in this game I well, I, I, I'm what trying game? to get away from... Re You're talking about the Rockets game? I just said, which other game do you think we uh, should Which other about? game? I, I'm curious about the Rockets because they are one of the best teams at home during the regular season and have been, right, against the number. But they're coming mm -hmm. off just getting the doors knocked off a couple nights ago. So the 76ers are in town. I, I kind of like the 76ers here. But another game I think I might like even better is... Cavaliers and the Bucks in Cleveland. This is a little bit dicey. The Bucks are favored minus five and a half right now. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell is going to play or not, so maybe it's not a good bet. But he is questionable for tonight's game. I feel like that because of this line, it looks like that maybe he's going to play. But when you're coming off an illness like he's coming off of, are you really sure how healthy, how good he's going to be? I feel like it's tough to go from I've been sick and now I'm going to play an NBA game. So even if he plays, I don't know how effective he will be. Milwaukee's playing some of its best basketball of the season. I would lean Bucks minus five and a half or maybe, maybe the Sixers in Houston, but I like the Milwaukee play better. Yeah, I like Milwaukee as well because it feels like Cleveland – it feels like most teams in the NBA cannot keep up offensively with the product that Milwaukee is putting on the table right now. Mm -hmm. should be noted that Milwaukee does not play a lot of defense, but still, when you can score 140 points a game or whatever they're putting up, it feels like even a five and a half, which seems like a sizable spread, is very coverable when you are scoring that many points a game. So I would side towards the Bucks in that one. Uh, you should know if you're betting on the Sixers, Joel Embiid, uh, not set to play in that game, even though Philly coming off a win. Uh, I think they're first in doing so without Joel Embiid, a good team win for the Sixers. All right, coming up next, it's on to college football. We'll talk the, the big bowl games and what you need to know before you bet on the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, and the Orange Bowl. That's next on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM.
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Rise and shine, people. It is a Friday, December the 29th, here on The Daily Show. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's Michael Jenkins. And in just a few minutes, we'll break down the college football playoff semifinal games and who we think is making it on to the championship game. Will it be Jenks' Longhorns? We hope so, even though maybe we'll be taking the points with Washington. Uh, but, Jenks, do you ever see something that's unintentionally hilarious? We had an incidence of that here for my Tennessee Titans. So usually quarterbacks will give their offensive linemen a gift to say, thank you for blocking me. It's been a great season, whatever. We know here in Tennessee, the offensive line play has not been great. But the gift Mm -hmm. that Will Levis gave his linemen was suitcases, which obviously if you're traveling all the time. Oh, God. Yeah, and I get it. Will Levis is not on a huge deal. I think he's making $2 million this year. So it's not like, you know, we can buy them all Rolexes. But still, suitcases? And, of course, everybody in the comments jumped to the conclusion of Will Levis is telling all of his linemen to pack their bags because they ain't going to be here next year. How would you take this if your quarterback gifted you luggage? Well, it depends. Are they going to carry on that luggage or check it? That's a good question. <laughs> do they depends. have empathy or do they not? Do Are they empathetic to the plight of those who prefer to carry on their luggage? I don't know. I think that's the real question. I feel like that at first, you know, it's kind of sweet, I will say. I don't know if that's the right word. But ultimately, look, I am not of the belief that Will Levis, there's no guarantee he's going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars in the NFL, okay? And so as someone who believes in being or tries to be responsible with money, yes, he is making $2 million. All right, taxes are going to take some money out of that. But just because you're making a, a great deal of money doesn't mean, all right, that means I need to spend five hundred grand now on my offensive lineman. You still have to be smart about it. Now, if you're Patrick Mahomes or someone like that, and you have these monster deals, and you've got so much money you're never going to run out of it, then okay. But Will Levis is, it's a nice thing. He's trying to help out his guys, and he doesn't have the cash, nor should he spend an exorbitant amount of money just because people decide, oh, you make this much, you should be spending this much. I hate it when people do that. Like, people make those decisions for you. Well, I've decided that based on how much you make, you should be spending X amount of dollars. Now, if he got them $20 gift certificates to Olive Garden, I mean, first of all, endless breadsticks are no joke, so maybe I shouldn't make fun of that. That's a good gift. I'm just saying there are levels to things, and it's not like he went the cheap route and said, hey, go get yourself a McFlurry. So I don't have a problem with it. I don't think people were mad about the price range, though. I think people Mm -hmm. were poking fun at the suitcases part. Because I think people understand that he is not a veteran quarterback. But what would you make about the suitcases part? Like, we get that NFL players travel Mm -hmm. all the time. 
You don't yeah. think there's any subliminal message that these linemen would have taken from getting suitcases? <laughs> hey, if you're a big boy, let me tell you something. You got a lot of clothes to pack because you're a big guy. They probably As need a big suitcase. <laughs> yes. As you need a big suitcase. You're leaving the team and going you're to another team. You're leaving the team, guys. Get out of here. When you leave, you're going to look great. You're going to look great doing it. You're going to look fantastic. And you're going to have plenty of room. You're, you're going to like the way you look. Leaving that Titans offensive line. I like, look, and also, what did you expect? This is a guy who eats bananas with the heels on. So if you're exactly. expecting him to suddenly, yeah. So he kind of has an odd sense about things anyway, an odd sensibility. So if that's kind of your disposition, then is it really stunning knowing what we know about Will Levis that he bought his lineman luggage? No, seems right in line with who he is. It also feels to me, think about how old is he? Like 23 or 24? It yeah. does not feel to me that he is putting a lot of you know, thought. Maybe that's not even the right word because I do think maybe he is thoughtful. It's thoughtful enough to get mm -hmm. them gifts. But I don't know. Like, think of, like, the average college kid, the average college senior. Do you think mm -hmm. that they're going to be giving you some, like, really thoughtful, like, here is this montage I made of you guys, you know, missing mm -hmm. all of those blocks and causing everybody to get hurt because that's the thing. The offensive linemen have not mm -hmm. been good in Tennessee. But, like, what did you expect? He's doing his best. So maybe it's not the top gift that quarterbacks have been giving their offensive linemen. But again, the offensive line in Tennessee has not been good. So maybe when they're leaving teams, they will at least look good doing so, leaving <laughs> the Titans locker room. All right, Jenks, let's get into some of these college games. Pack your bags because you're headed to one of these. We have talked Ooh. a little bit about Texas and Washington and briefly, I think both of us are kind of leaning towards taking the points here with yeah. um, Washington. The passing attack is really good with Michael Penix Jr. That seems to be one of the weaknesses for te Texas. Doesn't feel like they have a lot. But what is the case for Texas here? And you, you said it when, you know, Double D was firing up mm -hmm. the music. So let's do like a shortened version of it. Sure. Why does Texas stand a good chance here? Well, let's not ignore the fact that Texas is favored in this game, okay? That's that's mm -hmm. number one. Everyone is acting like, hey, it's Washington, Washington. It may be Washington. I understand why. I like that pick as well. Texas is the favorite. So two things here. This is without question, I believe, the best defensive line in the country. Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, those guys in the middle are NFL linemen. Tavondre Sweat just won the Outland Trophy, best defensive lineman in college football. This Washington offensive line has not faced an interior like this. And so Texas oftentimes can get pressure with their front four. If that happens, all of a sudden, they got a ton of guys in the secondary that can slow down Michael Penix Jr. Because I don't think the offensive line will be able to protect Michael Penix Jr. like they have throughout the Pac-12 schedule because Texas will be the best defense they have faced all season. Texas is the number one defense in the country on third downs. They are great at getting third down stops. Yes, they can give up the big play. Conversely, Washington does not have a very good defense. And Steve Sarkeesian, as a play caller, is no question... This, this is across the board. If you know college football, you will agree with this. He is easily a top five play caller in college football. So can Washington stop Sark's offense when he has a month to get ready? 
That's a big question mark. It's a huge question mark, and that's how Texas can win this game. Third down stops and enough offense to outscore the Huskies. Do you think offensive-minded head coaches have an advantage when it comes to games that have a long layoff? And please correct me if I'm wrong. I am football X's and O's analyst. It feels Mm -hmm. to me like you can have a defensive game plan, but there's still a lot of reactionary stuff. You know, you do what, uh, you know, in game and you make adjustments. Obviously, you can say that for Mm -hmm. the offense as well. But do you think guys like Steve Sarkeesian, guys who are known for their play calling and play, you know, uh, creating prowess, do you think they have an advantage when these uh, games have a long layoff? I do, because then they can really get into their bag and they can really Mm -hmm. pull out, not necessarily trick plays, but they can scheme in ways they haven't before. I was reading an article from, I believe it was on The Athletic, and they were interviewing anonymous Big 12 coaches about Texas and Sark in particular. And one of the things that was written about Sark was from an anonymous Big 12 head coach was he doesn't have tendencies. He breaks tendencies. You think he does. The next week, he breaks them. And that's the one thing. If you're a defensive coordinator and you're trying to stop an opposing offense, a lot of times what you do is you base your defensive schemes on tendencies. Oh, we've seen this look before. This is a tell. This is how we know what they're going to run or how to defend this play. Sark doesn't really do that. That's what makes it tough. You think he's going to do something. He knows you think he's going to do it, and he does the opposite. And it's hard. When you get into a habit as an offensive play caller or things that work, you go to things that work. Sark isn't really like that. So for making the case for Texas in particular and and the advantage that offensive play callers have, that's the advantage. You take a mind like that and you give them a month to get ready, I mean, that's when they, in theory, should be at their best. I think that's why it's really tough for me to handicap this Alabama and Michigan game. Because you look at both sides of the coaching angle and you say, okay, Nick Saban with extra time to prepare. Boy, is that going to be tough to defend. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Jim Harbaugh is a pretty damn good coach in his own right. And they're the team that's favored in this one. When you have a matchup that has two great coaches, do you think it almost cancels itself out? Because obviously at the end of the day, the players still have to execute said game plan. Yeah, it's... It's a very good question, and I coaching certainly matters. I get that, but there's no question about it. When you have a coach like Saban who has been there, done that again and again and again, then you're going to give them due credit, and I think rightfully so. And honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why everyone is on Bama. I happen to like Michigan over Alabama, and I feel like I'm in the minority there. But when people look at Jim Harbaugh, what do they see? They see a guy who's never won it, and they see a cheater. And when you look at Nick Saban, what do you see? You see the GOAT. You see a guy who's been there, done that, who just beat Georgia. And so that absolutely plays into how people bet these games. And and sometimes those narratives are spot on. Sometimes there's a bit of tomfoolery going on there. And you get, you get hoodwinked because you think things are going to go a certain way based on, you know, history that you've seen in the past. And it's not that way. This one's really tough for me because I do think it's kind of a red flag that this line hasn't moved because I think you're right. I think Mm -hmm. the majority of the bets we're seeing last time I checked, it was close to 60% of the bets on Alabama here. And that's all the narrative that we have been hearing. Alabama's so hot right now. They have Nick Saban. Jalen Milrow is peaking at the right time. And I will say he's going to be tough to defend the way that he is playing. Um, But in my betting gut instinct, it does feel like mm-hmm. Michigan may be the play. 
I don't know if I'm actually going to play it. This one kind of confounds me. Like, I don't really have a great feeling on uh, the game between Alabama and Michigan. But we'll see for that one. I also want to ask you this quickly. Who do you think has the better chance out of Texas and Washington to beat whoever comes out of this Alabama and Michigan game? I think it's Texas, honestly. And I think I like Texas against Bama or Michigan more than I like Texas against Washington. I know that sounds crazy, but physically mm-hmm. Texas matchups really, really well with Bama and Michigan. I think Huskies might be able to out finesse and out and outplay Texas as far as the deep ball is concerned. Yeah, I'm on the same path. I kind of want Texas to win not only for you, but also because I think it will guarantee a better game in the championship. Kind of feels like Washington is almost the TCU of last season. We got to get to break. Top of the hour next on The Daily Tip. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.